0: This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Hello, hot and the Nerd. We're bringing you another episode of the Hot Nerd Podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, do me a favor. Head over to the website www. <laughs> TheHopNerd.com. Follow along on all things social media at TheHopNerd except for Twitter because it is super duper special. It is super duper unique. It is at TheHopNerd1. You can slide into the DMs or you can send me an email at uh, you know, TheHopNerd at gmail.com if you want to talk more about human and organizational performance. If you have some ideas on what we should talk about here on the podcast or some suggestions for some guests or if you want to uh, ask about how you can get some human and organizational performance help from yours truly. Again, it is the Hop hopnerd at gmail.com make sure that you do check out the website we've got the uh, cool contest give book giveaway thing going on for the new book 10 ideas to make safety suck less which you can check out at win the 10.com and that is 10 with a 1 0 if you want to learn more about that book or pick up a copy you can head over to the 10 ideas again with a 1 0 the 10 ideas.com and make sure you check out our new resource section over on uh, the there's tons of videos you can download and just use for whatever you want to use them for there are some like presentations and information and again all free download kind of sort of stuff that you can just take and use on your human and organizational performance journey on today's episode we have the amazing the awesome and it's been a minute since we got to do one of these but the awesome James MacPherson I'm going to shut up and just dive right into this thing James and I really tried to hone in on this kind of idea of human and organizational performance or at least some select concepts from it, how you bring that to life, uh, and some thoughts around that, and with, like, smaller organizations, with, like, mom-and-pop organizations, with, like, you know, like me and a couple of my friends and my cousin and my brother-in-law that have a company and, you know, we do some high-risk stuff, we're driving around in our van, you know, those kind of companies, because they often get neglected, right? We we take for granted in our larger organizations that, you know, we have a lot of these this kind of infrastructure and resources available to us that these smaller organizations, Do not. So again, I don't want to give too much of it away, but I'm I'm going to just, here we go. Let's, let's, let's go over to me talking to James. I'm going to start recording just so I don't forget because it's been that kind of morning, man. I woke up this morning to find out that one of the dogs had gotten in here and chewed up my other headphones, the ones that actually work, so I can only hear you in one ear right now. So I had to order, I had to order order another another Uh, pair this morning. It's been one thing, one thing after another today, man. Um, and and I, I screwed up our times. I did it was it's been bad, man. How the fuck are we gonna talk just for five minutes? I don't think that's ever happened. We're just we're just gonna have to run with it, man. We're just gonna have to run with it. That's and so it's gonna be a hot nerd rerun and safety quick fire session. Quick Let- fire. Let's just go, man. So I'm just gonna go. So I think everyone knows who you are. But uh let's do like a quick recap of who you are, what you got going on, all that stuff. We've had you on what, two, three times already, a couple times? It's been a blast, man. It's twice. Might be wrong.
1: And and then once I've introduced myself, because I'm gonna put this out on my podcast, I want you to introduce yourself as well.
0: Yeah, we'll do it, man.
1: So my name's Jen McPherson. I run a company called Risk Fluent and I also we, our, our purpose as a company is to rebrand safety. So we have a YouTube and a podcast channel called rebranding safety. Um, that's been going for about four years. I've been in safety for just over a decade. Um, and we do kind of two types of safety really we do the technical stuff where we try and use this high reliability stuff but for normal safety for small businesses and then we do the more cultural type stuff for the big businesses um yeah and we chat shit on the
0: podcast and the youtube channel all the time and and who are you sam my turn i get i get to go now geez man this is cool so Sam Goodman, a lot of people know me as the Hop Nerd from the Hop Nerd podcast. Kind of similar. I mean, that's I think that's that's what I remember from the first time we met, man. As we could sit there and kind of like, man, we're similar in so many different ways and profession and kind of all this stuff. And so very very similar, very similar story. Uh, I've been doing uh, safety for about fifteen ish years now. So just just a uh, right there with you, right right around the same amount of time. For about half that time has been into human and organizational performance, or however we want to say that, trying to do safety differently, safety better, something that's not uh, what I started with. I was one of those folks that was indoctrinated early on in my career into more traditional approaches to safety, got frustrated with that, almost left, wrote a couple books about that, found my way into this kind of human and organizational performance space. And so nowadays, um, in addition to the podcast, kind of the same, hot nerd. Doing uh, human organization performance consulting, help, coaching, all that kind of stuff. Trying to bring those concepts to life in organizations that need that kind of help. So that's who I am. Podcaster, crazy person, provocateur, all the above. Love it. What are we talking about? I can't remember. So I think, so we we caught up because we we hadn't talked to each other In, like, it's been a minute, man, because I've been, uh, I've had life stuff going on and work stuff going on. You had life stuff and work stuff going on. You welcomed a little one to the world, which is amazing. So I, I I hadn't, we haven't been on the podcast since then. So we've got to say congratulations. That's been what? Thank you. You're now? (laughs) No, two. She's two. Holy cow, man. (laughs) I feel fucking old. Trust me, man. That's why I wear the hat. I I used to wear the hat because I liked it. And I wear the hat now to cover the gray hair. (laughs) Between haircuts, because I usually cut it pretty, you know, shave the sides pretty high so I can get rid of the grays, but... uh. (laughs) I have swore a lot already. I can't remember.
1: Do do we swear on the Hot Nerd? Are we allowed to swear or... Fuck yeah, man! We can say whatever we
0: want to. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool.
1: That's As cool. I
0: upload things, I just automatically hit the explicit button, so it's okay. People, people at this point know what they signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. mm-hmm. so uh, we, when we were catching up, though, I didn't mean to derail us there. Um, no. When we were catching up before, we were talking about uh, how we bring some of these ideas into, I would say, smaller, more mom and pop kind of organizations because big yeah. organizations have a lot more wiggle room to be, to be able to go play with stuff like this. Right. And that's just obvious, like budget time resources. There's, yeah. just, it's just, I don't want to say that it's easier because in some sense, you know, those organizations aren't as nimble, you know, I, I hear people talk about large organizations being like aircraft carriers on good days and the Titanic on probably worst days, yeah. <laughs> but they're, 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 hard, they're hard to, they're hard to steer and they are sinkable. Right. But they they often have um, they often have the resources and time and all those things were just I was just mentioning to be able to go play with this stuff, try it out, kind of figure stuff out where mom and pop organizations don't necessarily have that ability. You know, when it's three folks, you know, me, my cousin and my brother in law in a van trying to do work. And we have a couple other vans that we have a couple other employees that do that. That's a whole lot. That's a whole lot different conversation when we're talking about safety, health, human organization, whatever. Right. It's just a totally different conversation. So I think that's where we landed on was was what are some ideas on how we can bring that stuff, uh, Mm -hmm. those better ideas or just better approaches? What's I guess the tactical kind of bits of that that's that's applicable to those folks? yeah i remember now i remember
1: and i i think there is something first we need to acknowledge on this in that i think a lot of the conversations that we have around this new view safety differently hop whatever you want to call it it, mate it's so far from the reality of the small business like it is miles away from the reality of bob's roofing or steve waste company or whatever. Like some of the shit I see is just like, whoa, fuck it hell. <laughs> like, shit. There's no point even talking about like building capacity here. When then I think some people might turn around and say, actually, you need to talk about that because that is that's that's the whole problem that got us here is that they've got this perception of safety, but then there's the next problem that we don't talk. This perception of health and safety, be it because of the way we've done safety, what is so deep rooted, man, like so deep rooted mm-hmm. um, that actually some of the some. T- I'm I'm if I'm if I'm honest, I'm a bit exhausted by all these thought leaders, and I'm fed up of reading it. It's the same yeah. shit book, I'm, and I'm just like, you know what? It's got no connection to the reality of some of these businesses the business i don't know what it's like in america i've never worked in america but in england the british economy is a race to the bottom like 100 it is a race to the cheapest quote everything is cheap 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 and we're we're going to try and talk to them about building to your point building resilience and you know building some capacity and having nice loads of slack in your operations these guys there is no slack. It's the cheap right. to get the to win the tender of the job, and right. then it it's do it as fucking quick as possible. Like if I'm going to talk about building a high performance team, fuck off! I need the cheapest guys and the cheapest raw materials and the fastest job, and that you know that is miles away
0: from the Deckers, the Conklins, the Honagles of the world. Way different, right? I, I think. So it's very similar, I think, in a lot of ways to what you're just mentioning in the economy. And then you also see this emergence of kind of like solopreneurs and kind of these kind of small entrepreneurs and kind of small startups. And I mentioned like a few folks in the van doing stuff, you know, because that's that's a lot. I mean, just here in Arizona where I'm at, I mean there's a dude in a van that made a company that just, and there's a thousand of them, right? And it's him and them and a couple of their family members to start with. And then maybe they have five or 10 employees and they're doing some pretty high risk crap, right? I mean, here we're building tons and tons of houses. You got guys crawling all over roofs and laying tile and doing all the kind of crazy stuff that comes along with building homes or building apartment buildings. Or I'm just using that as an example because I can look out my window, like right across the street and they're building like 150 new homes, like over on a hill. (laughs) So I could, I I can do my, uh, I can do some safety observations with my binoculars from the window. But that's but exactly. Yeah. And especially in those situations where profit margins are like razor thin, especially yeah. as a startup company. And I just had to buy a $50,000 van and I'm having to pay a payroll and mm-hmm. all of those things. I think so something that was standing out to me as we were kind of, as you were kind of talking was this idea that, you know, with our larger organizations that I would, I just call them safety focused organizations. organizations that kind of have that embedded somewhere and have had that embedded within their organization for a good amount of time. And they're usually mid to large size kind of organizations. I think that we take for granted the fact that safety has been ever present, even though that it's not, uh, we can look back on it now and kind of apply a healthy dose of presentism and kind of, kind of compare where we're at morally now and say, well, that was immoral then, you know, and that's not fair. That's obviously not fair. We're kind of we're kind of bad at doing that quite a bit, especially as safety stuff. But where I was going at that is, we take that for granted that in these in these organizations, we take the fact that we've had traditional safety around. Since like the dawn of time in these organizations for granted and it's acted as a as kind of that series of stepping stones that's led us to this point in our maturity that then allows for us to pursue some things that are a little different or a little innovative or things like human and organization performance so we can kind of shift in tune because we already have laid that bedrock right we, we, we we're, we're kind of on stable ground and when you're with an organization or you're starting an organization and maybe the only thing in safety that you've been concerned with so far is like okay if the regulator shows up, how do we not get a citation or maybe not even that much? I don't know how the regulatory environment is in the UK, but, you know, here. I not turn up. There's not enough of them. There's like five. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's like five for the entire country. Probably right? a tree, it's a I little more them. than five, but it's not that many. Like it's it's like it's like under a thousand for the entire country. Mm-hmm. Right. But Like here in Arizona, we have a state run program. So instead of having OSHA, we have ADOSH uh, for now. There's some talk about rescinding that. But. I think for the entire state, there's like 15 inspectors. Really? I mean, for the in Arizona's massive, you know, Arizona's a massive place. So again, I guess not to sidetrack us. I know we're you and I both are both in like a time crunch a little bit today, but that was what was standing out to me is that I think we take that for granted. I think we take for granted that that this kind of doing things differently or trying different approaches is a part of maturity that has come along with all those past evolutions. Because we're keeping a lot of that, right? We're not getting rid of prevention. We're not getting rid of, like, you know, following the regulations. We're not just throwing all that stuff out the window. I think it's been a series of stepping stones that led us to this. In small organizations, you don't necessarily have that.
1: Yeah. And to put this into perspective, in the UK, SMEs, small, medium-sized enterprises, account for 99.9% of the business population in the UK economy. Yeah. 99.9%. Ninety nine point nine percent. That's amazing. Like, and, and the people we're targeting with this stuff, or people that are having these conversations, are the point one percent. Yeah, and talking about the ninety nine point nine percent, and of those, I, I I knew it was a high percentage, but I wanted to check, so I googled it. Um, at the start of twenty twenty, there were estimated to be six million uk private sector businesses 1.4 million of these had employees and 4.6 had no employees wow. so 6 million have no employees wow and uh, you know it, it's a huge percentage of that i believe is going to be really micro to small businesses right yeah. minor percentage of that is actually medium businesses. because medium business in the in the uk is actually pretty a pretty big business um yeah. but yeah and then and then if you were to kind of look at the other point here i've just googled how many inspectors there are in the uk for the hse it says there's more than 100 inspectors in 22 offices across the country so when you say more than 100 you mean 101 <laughs> yeah,
0: just just a, just a smidge above 100 just enough to say more than
1: yeah there's, there was 100 but there's like this one guy is not very good so we'll call him right. It's just so when when you you so you think oh yeah you know most businesses are safe now right like mate I've worked in some businesses in this very short amount of time of seven months I've been in a consultancy and I and I'm, I'm just like fuck me like that machine is not legal right uh, but just no idea and and we are the fucking miles away from from this stuff but but the problem we have now I think is what I hear a lot. James, I'd love to get you in. I'd love to get you in to come and help us do all this stuff you talk about in the podcast, but we're not ready yet. We don't even have, po- we don't even have risk assessments. We don't even have this. And I'm like, okay, okay. So what you're going to do then is you're going to do all of these risk assessments, all of these policies and procedures, and then bring us in, and we're going to go back and redo all of that shit. Right, right. Like we, we think it's this like step one, step two, step three. Like it's this evolution because we're to your exact point, I think you hit the nail on the head. We're we've, we're naively assuming that everybody has these base level of of traditional safety, whatever you want to call it, yeah. and we also naively assume that it's 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 all shit. Like we like we're in the safety anarchist, for example. But but actually, it's some of it's good, some of it's all right, some of it's pretty shit. Like we've now got it in our heads that what we're going to do is write all of these risk assessments in the way that we don't like them. to then go back and redo them instead of going. let's just talk about doing risk assessments better. Yeah. it it just, it just, I don't know, mate, it blows. I get exhausted with it. If I'm honest, like I go on LinkedIn, do you know what? I go on Twitter for a rest from LinkedIn because LinkedIn, that's bad, man.
0: Yeah. (laughs) LinkedIn <laughs> is just exhausting now. Well, it is. And so I, you know, that's what I've noticed, not to dive down that social media rabbit hole that, that much. Um, but you know, I do that where I just log off. And I think my last hiatus was like seven months or yeah. something, something like that. Where it's just like, I need a break from this. It's just it's too much of it's it's too much of an echo chamber, it's too much hot air. And to that point, I think that, that that's been so much of the um Issue that I've taken with a lot of, as we say, kind of thought leader kind of in this, any safety space, you know, whether whatever we're talking about, um, there's a lot of thought and not a lot of action. You know what I mean? And I think that's where for me being and for you, we we share this, that we've been safety practitioners, right, for all of our career. I, I didn't come up as an academic. I did not come up, you know, with an idea of even writing anything down about safety for the vast majority of my career. And I think that's the piece is like, that's what organizations want to know. Like, that sounds great. Like, that sounds cool. And no matter the organization, large, small, somewhere in between. Um, most people that that spend time talking to me, they struggle with how do I actually do that? Mm. that, that that's like, this sounds great. Like, like, we're talking about learning. We're talking about, about, uh, Deferring to expertise and creating trusting environments, like all this stuff. And it all sounds great. And I've read all the books, but how the fuck do I actually do that <laughs> in real life? And now they, I wish that there was an easier answer than to say, you know, I, I wish that some of the kind of safety snake oil salesman stuff actually worked. Cause we see that. We're talking about LinkedIn. You see that all the time where somebody's like, just follow my new checklist and I'll sell it to you for $12.95. And if you just follow steps one through 32, Safety culture will be yours, you know, and we know that that's that's a load of crap, right? And it, it, just FYI for anyone out there, if anyone's trying to sell you that there is one right way to do anything, especially the safety of work, there's one right way. And key emphasis here being that there that their right that their right way is the one right way. I think I said that right. Um, yeah. Run away! You should run away really, really fast because yeah. there's not one right way, and that's some of the challenge I think. that yeah that, that organizations have to kind of embrace that there's not like a linear guide that comes along with really much of safety whether we're talking new view old school traditional whatever you got to do what works best for you and i think that's a, a key piece here when we're talking about these smaller organizations is uh i don't think that as much as i am a uh, practitioner of human and organizational performance and kind of these these doing things different you know um Not every organization is ready for that. I think that's a key thing to take away that you have to lay a certain element of you got to have the scaffolding built first before you can start doing the work on top of it. And I don't I don't know that you can just now the principles, I think, are sound and they carry through. But again, I don't know that you can just jump in and just say we're going to trans this organization that has seven employees that just started last week is going to go through transformational change that probably sounds like a really bad idea they're just in the in the entry phase of figuring out who the hell they are (laughs) to to begin with but when when i
1: hmm, there's a lot in that we definitely don't have long enough to to (laughs) gain we're gonna have to do another round of this yeah, we're gonna have to. It, if we were to just take risk assessments as an example, right? Kind mm. of, US does those, Australia does those, England do those. In England, a risk assessment is the cornerstone of our legislation. Right? It's it's everywhere. You can't do anything right. in a risk assessment. So, if we were to take that as a as a, as a kind of just an example to enter this conversation, we might go. We need to do is safety one risk assessment and then when we're ready and the company's used to that what we'll do is we'll go back to it tweak it so that it becomes a safety two risk assessment. I just sounds just, fucking stupid. Like what yeah. we're gonna that's the same as buying
0: what we need to do is buy a really shit car and then well, my really car. Well, it's a it's a great that sounds that sounds like an excellent sales tactic because then I could sell you something twice, <laughs> right? But, but but for but for but to actually pursue it, I think it hints back at something you were saying earlier in the conversation. Is it's I think it's the shift in how we do these things right out of the gate, right? So a risk assessment is a risk assessment. As we're kind of doing a risk assessment, we're kind of and I, I mean that on the side of kind of hazard and risk kind of stuff, right? As we're kind of looking through an organization as we're kind of working through a process whatever and we're looking at that i think that what changes is what we understand that we can actually manage and manipulate right on the other side of that risk assessment at least in this piece of it so again i think that's a a practical bit that maybe a smaller organization could actually take on is this idea of like as we do risk assessments rather than doing a risk assessment and then looking at stuff that's very very brittle right? Looking at stuff that just doesn't work super good. How do, you know, there's certain elements of that, that we have to have this probably in the regs that somewhere there, we're going to have to do this. We got to do that. But what's the most bang for our buck? And when we're looking on the other side of what our actual operational risks are, how do we take that and think more in that way, right? And not just saying capacity, not just saying building in some margin, but how do we actually build the outcomes that we would prefer to see. And I think a lot of that comes from understanding that one of the few things that we actually have kind of control over is seeking out and managing the presence of controls and Mm -hmm. like viable controls, like good, like actual non brittle air tolerant kind of controls. And those are concepts that I don't believe have to be super complex. It doesn't have to be, you don't have Mm -hmm. to go through seven hours of hot fundamentals and sit down with, with some type of, uh, you know, known massive speaker to tell you to do that. That's something that you can just kind of shift the way that you're thinking around those things. Like maybe instead of just telling somebody to try harder, let's take that and think, what can we actually do with process X, Y, and Z to, to at least stack the the cards to stack the deck in our favor that when my cousin Bob goes to do that, he's not going to fall and go splat. Or when he goes to do that, he's not going to get blinded or lose a limb or, Or or worse, right? How can we create systems that actually allow for non-catastrophic outcomes, even when shit kind of hits the fan? So I don't think that that has to be a super complex thing. And that's where I really like to share with folks that are kind of early on in their journey or smaller organizations. Like, just use that kind of start when safe kind of idea of like, what's the shit that kills you? What controls do you have in place? And are they enough? And like, you're doing it at that point. Like, those are the actual things that matter, right? Mm. Well, like so,
1: but when I listen to that, I agree with everything you've just said, Sam. Right, one hundred percent. I listen to it. I'm like that. That's what the le- fucking legislation said when we wrote it in 1974 in right. England. Right, Like that. That is a risk assessment, not yeah. a view, not a new view risk assessment, no. not a risk assessment, not a safety differently risk assessment. Right. It's a, Safety, as originally intended, risk assessment, and that, I, I first said coined the term. I don't know. I might have stole it off someone else, but I think I coined it's the yours. term. It's yours. You got it now. Fucking <laughs> it is mine, right? <laughs> I coined the term safety as originally intended fucking three years ago on the podcast. And, f- and like, if we were to take, I, I remember seeing uh, Todd do a post actually where it says instead of stop safe or safe when stop, when not safe or something like let's do, and you were just reminding me of it, mm-hmm. let's do start when safe, right? Okay. Well, and that's nothing new that, that makes sense to me, but like, that's what a risk assessment was supposed to be. Let's yeah. we're we trying to achieve here. We're trying to do this. What are the risks? What can we see in front of us and how are we going to do it? And managing these risks with impact. And that for me is what a lot of this is, is like you're managing it with, with impact. And I think a lot of the time we're not talking about, there's a lot of papers out there. There's a lot of research out there. And there's a couple for me that are really important. And I fucking love the safety clutter paper by, Drew, um, Drew, David and Sydney, um, one of the best pieces out there for people to read. And just to take away the three C's of, of clutter to be able to test anything that you're doing Mm -hmm. for me, just do this, just, think of how much value does it cost which they call contribution so what does it contribute to does it contribute to the safety of work but i would i would add something here particularly in england there's a lot of work that we need to do that's done in the name of safety that doesn't contribute to the safety of work it does contribute to the company so I don't think don't throw the baby out with the bath water. The British setup as it is, it is it is what it is and then we're not going to change the fucking world. So if you need to write we're not going to change the world overnight. We might change it eventually, right. but if you need to write some rounds... that are generic and they're not on the they're not reflective of the shop floor but you need to write them to tender for a job, fucking write them and tender for the job but yeah. just shop floor from them just that that would be my solution for that so does it contribute to something within the company and deliver value it's it confidence in that in in how you know that it, do you have evidence that it contributes or do you believe it's evidence So, if you, sorry if you don't have evidence do you believe in it is contributing so ideally it's evidence a lot of the work we do in safety doesn't have evidence but right. Ideally, you've got some evidence to say it does work. If you don't, do you, as a group of people that are about to implement this, believe that it's going to work? And do you have a consensus? Do, does it extend to those stakeholders on the shop floor who are going to be involved with that? Do they agree with what you're talking about? Do they agree? Do they have confidence? Do they agree that it contributes? I think if we did that, if we did those three tests with everything we do in safety, we'd go a very long fucking way. We'd go a very long way. So don't do. I'm, I'm just going to do old view because we're not ready for new view yet. Yeah? Right? No, I'm just thinking about doing managing risk, but having yeah. impact on the shop floor, having impact on the safety of work. For me, that's not new or old. It's safety as originally intended.
0: I think you're. You're. I don't think I know. You're spot on because. It's the question of impact, right? That's that's the that's the key question. What actually matters, right? Yeah. To that to that point, and that thinking about examining for what actually matters, what's actually meaningful, and kind of my world is it's tuning that question towards what's actually meaningful to not killing and maiming people, you know, yeah. like what 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 actually matters. And you're spot on. There's. There's definitely stuff we got to do that we just got to do. Right. And whether it sucks or not, we just got to do it because it's part of the regulation. It's part of something that's in our systems to protect us in various different ways, either from regulators or litigation or on and on and on. There's things you got to do as a company. Right. But how you translate that down. Rather than doing that to people having it there and not doing two people is you can still do that. Right. I think that's a, that's a really, really important point. And I agree yeah. with you, man. I think this, you know, what, what we're talking about isn't new. I, I i think that when we're talking about, um, these various bits and pieces, you know, I've, I've had BBS people on here, uh, Dr. Tim Ludwig, which is a phenomenal conversation. I've had some traditional sage folks. I have lots of hop folks, obviously. Um, but the thing that I discovered the most talking with all these folks is we're not that different. The no. thing is, and we're not really different at all in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what really shocked me with the uh, Dr. Tim Ludwig conversation was we're just like, like, man, we're talking the same language here. So I think what you see is there's this, this kind of thing where organizations like to take stuff and they like to reduce it down to easy and then just kind of put their own spin on it. Or they like to piecemeal and they're like, it's like a buffet. Like, I'm going to take a look at this. I'm going to take a look at that. Yeah. And but- the way it's applied kind of throws us back into the shit side of things, right? We, we apply it with their current assumptions of liking to blame of all these kind of other things. Right. And we don't have enough time to dive down that rabbit hole because you and I both have to run to go do other things, (laughs) but. I can talk
1: about blame all day.
0: Right. Exactly. And I think, I think that that's one of those things where, you know, how we apply those things. I think that's where the principles, and I say just the principles, a good set of principles, A better set of assumptions as an organization, no matter what you want to call the ways that you approach the safety of work, as long as you're examining for doing the things that are meaningful, the things that matter, right, that actually impact what you're looking to impact, as long as you're applying it, you know, with this sense of focusing on the workforce as a problem solver, and I think that's a key piece in that change, right, um, I don't know that you're going to be that far off from whatever the hell we're calling it. Yeah. I do think boxing uh, it in boxing it in stifles innovation actually if we start saying I'm just doing this in this box and it's just called hopper it's just safety differently or it's just safety yeah. too or it's just traditional stuff we're actually killing safety innovation probably at that point because we're just stuck in that box.
1: Yeah and, and I think the one thing we as a profession need to do before we do anything else is remember that academics are supposed to bicker with each other but we as practitioners Are not meant to pick one and stick with that. Leave them at the top to bicker amongst each other, get bitchy, write books about each other, do whatever they need to do. Because (laughs) that's what what scientists, academics are supposed to do. They're supposed to bicker. And what we're supposed to do is take their work and give it a fucking go and see what works. And then, because you might, I, as a consultant, we'll go to one company and they're like, oh, we, we love BBS. And I'm like, cool, because I've had Dom Cooper on my podcast, the same as you had, um, I can't remember, your, your guy on, on your podcast. And, and he's talking and I'm like, mate, that's fucking hop. What you just said there is hop. And I'm talking to someone on hop and I'm like, mate, that's fucking BBS. It's the same shit, just different ways of saying it. And that's yeah. a good thing. That's a good thing because there's a load of people that got on, mate, I don't, see this is the thing when we think about <laughs> politics, we're all fucking tied up in knots and yeah. how is the amount of messages I'm going to get being like eh, actually it's based off Taylorism and Taylorism is this and like leave your fucking academia over there because there are aspects of all of it that are really good and there are aspects of all of it that might not work for you and that's cool but if you're focused on contributing to the actual risk on the shop floor if you're confident that that's having an impact and there is a consensus within the workplace, I don't fucking give
0: a shit what you call it. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things where as long as you're embracing and leaning into kind of, and I don't mean to boil this down to something that's, that's too reduced, but you're focused on caring for people, right? You're focused on caring for your workforce and embracing that kind of human element. Sorry, as my phones are kind of blasting in the background, people telling me I'm late for this other meeting. Right. But it's one of those things where it's, it's it's as long as you're genuinely focused on embracing humanity and leaning into the humanity of your organization and taking care of those folks. And again, not to reduce it down to something as simple as the golden rule, but caring for those folks like you would want to be cared for. I think that matters, right? I think yeah. I think those things do matter. And I think you're absolutely right. We get too hung up in this concept, that concept, this book, that book. And we forget that we are practitioners, meaning that we actually go out and practice, you know, this stuff. We, we we feel our way through it. And that's the piece that I would kind of wrap up with is just saying that, you know, every organization's journey to doing uh, whatever better, right, to, to trying to influence the safety of work a little bit better, it's going to be totally different. Right. We might we're going to have some 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 sharing. There might be something that might work for this company that might work for yours, but they might be doing this and doing great with it and it might be horrific in your organization. So you just have to embrace that bit of it of understanding that it's not a copy. Nothing that you do in this world can really be a copy and paste. You can learn some lessons. You can try some stuff on for size but your your way is your way because organizations like people are infinitely unique and you should embrace that uniqueness because that's what makes you cool that's what makes you you that's what makes you your organization lean into that uniqueness and build something around that right and i think having that set in a good set of principles that are based around kind of the the assumptions that we know to be better assumptions is a good way to kind of be that test or to act as that test of What will kind of work or what should maybe be here? What should not be here? What should we stop doing? What should we start doing? I think that's a good way to start sorting and kind of prioritizing that stuff that we should be going out and actually trying to do.
1: People are not the problem, but they are a fucking pain in the ass.
0: (laughs) That's a fact, man. I know I'm a pain in the ass. So I can't. I I know I'm a pain in the ass because I somehow managed to get our meeting off by one hour (laughs) (laughs) and put us into this time crunch. But –
1: I had one at four and one at five,
0: and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm, I cannot be trusted with technology. Well, I've got to tell you, man, this is the fastest podcast, or the fastest conversation I think you and I have ever had, but I've got to run. I'm five minutes late for another thing. <laughs> yeah, me too, but maybe it's good that we're coming into 30 minutes. Let's find out. <laughs> we're going to see you, man. Thank you so much for coming on, my friend. How can people find you before I, before I hit the end button? Just go on LinkedIn
1: and find me at James McPherson or Google risk flu and rebounding safety and we'll come up.
0: Go, man. We're going to do this again real soon. But next time, I think we're going to need like two hours. We'll definitely need like two hours on the next one. I love catching up with James and we go like deep. And that's what's super duper cool about it. We get to have awesome conversations like this one where we start talking about this differing reality of organizations and kind of this journey and all this kind of stuff. Unfortunately, on today's episode, uh, I screwed up the time. If you didn't get that, you know, from the episode, I didn't do a very good job at being a podcast host and trying to like, um, you know, Know, figure out the difference between like our time zones uh, and i kind of threw it all threw us off by like an hour and then i had some other stuff scheduled and he had some other stuff scheduled but we really wanted to make it happen so we did we squeezed it into a half an hour which you know me i'm not really good at uh squeezing in podcasts i just kind of let them go wherever they go but i think it was still awesome i think we got a lot of really great Points out there. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Again, it is nerd at gmail.com. That's all I've got for today. That's it. Let me know what you think about it. I thought it was awesome. Make sure you go follow along with James. Make sure you go check out Risk Fluent, all the stuff that he's got going on. He has an epic, like a sweet YouTube channel. So make sure you go check that as well along with his podcast. Until next time, it is Sam Goodman, the Hot Nerd signing off. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>